Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and I'd like you to join me as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. That's where the miracles come from. Let's open with prayer. My Heavenly Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And Father, I ask for a spirit of grace on this broadcast, and I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you will turn with me to John 10. Verse 35, one of our favorite verses, and Jesus is speaking. I'm going to begin in verse 34. Jesus said, is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. Once you notice, he said your law. He didn't say my law. He said your law. If they called them God's unto whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. You cannot change it. It will stand. It'll stand in the storm. It'll stand in the worst storm. It'll stand when the mountains are falling apart beside you. It'll stand. The word of God will not fail and it cannot be broken. So that's what you can put your faith in. That's what you can trust in. If you have the ability to choose, choose, to hang on to that word, to trust in that word, it will bring you through. And I tell you what, I have been in a multitude of storms and never has God ever failed me when I stuck to his word. Never failed me. In some perilous times, he never failed me if I stuck to his word. Now, let's go to 1 Peter 1. The reason for these meetings, for this series, Chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word. You don't always have to preach to them. In fact, unless it's the Spirit of God behind you, don't preach to them. If any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be one. How? By the behavior, the conversation of the wives. That word is behavior. It says, while they behold your chaste conversation, your pure behavior, coupled with fear. And that fear is reverence. Reverence. Reverence for what? For God and his word. That's what we're after. And it says right here, how does that work? To adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on apparel. It doesn't say you can't do that. It says don't let that be your adorning. Don't let that be what everybody knows you by. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. And that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. And like I said before, God looks at a meek and a quiet spirit as a great price. But the wonderful thing is, he knows we aren't naturally that way. And he will help get you there. You know, that's what grace is. You don't deserve it, but he's going to do it anyway. That's grace. 
whenever you come up and you, and you know, Jesus, I just can't do this. Amen. There's grace. There is always grace. Always. I love that verse. Peter says it. He said, and he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. Now, turn with me to Luke 4. Why Jesus came. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, we already know that Jesus had not been baptized in the Holy Ghost until, until just before he went into the wilderness. So he's going back into the, to the synagogue that he was in before he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. So like I said, now he shows up and is different. And it says, as any custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. They all expected him. Here we go again. But now there's a difference. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place. You know how some people just open the Bible and point their finger and that's today's message? God have mercy on you. All right, he opened the book. He found the place where it's written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He had never spoken that word before in there. Why? Because the spirit of God hadn't been on him until now. Now he's baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now the man that was born of a virgin, the man has the Holy Ghost on him. He has never done a miracle before now. Never. Why? Because he couldn't. He became like you and me. He couldn't do a miracle until now because he didn't have the Holy Ghost. Folks, Jesus gave all his godly power up to come to the earth and be just like you and me. He had to do that. That was the only way we were going to get saved. A man got us into this trouble, and it was going to take a man to get us out. A man brought death into the world, and it was going to take a man to get rid of that death. It was going to take a man. And why was it going to take a man? Because you can't kill a god. You can't even kill an angel. They have to be put in the pit. You can't kill an angel. You can't kill God. And for us to get back what Adam lost for us, it was going to take a man. And Jesus had to become a man because he had to die. And he had to die for you and me. So he had to be a man. And here he is, a man. But now he is baptized in the Holy Ghost. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to show you and I how to do this. He is going to show you and I how to walk with God. He is going to give you the ability to do everything that he did, if you will believe. Do you understand that? He is going to show you, and then he's going to give you everything that he has so we can walk just like him. And you know what's amazing about that? When you can walk like Jesus, when you can walk in the Holy Ghost and the power just like Jesus did, you're going to have a meek and a quiet spirit. Why? Because you know that every situation is going to be handled by the power of God. Why would you be afraid if you got the power to change the situation? Why would you be nervous if you know that God has his hand on you? Why are we nervous and why are we afraid? Because we don't walk in the perfect love of God. But we can get there. All right, so he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is why God sent Jesus. And this is why God has Jesus speak. 
You know what's, what's wonderful about this? That gospel, we will see, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is standing here saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed to tell you I'm going to die. I am anointed to die for you, is what he was telling them. I am anointed to be crucified. I am anointed to die. I am anointed to be raised again. That's what he's telling them. He already knew where he was headed. And he preaches the gospel. He said, and the Lord sent me and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen through that gospel. And you'll see why. It says the deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind. So we can see the power of God. So we can see what Jesus is doing. So we can walk. And it says recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty to release them that are bruised, that are broken, that are crushed. And where is that power going to come from? We're going to see today that power. That power to do all those things in that anointing comes through the gospel. All right, we're going to look at that first one. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel. You know, I was in a, a, a denominational church for, I think it was, uh, let's see, I left when I was about 16, that church. I left the denominational church when I was about 20. And do you know that the words that I'm going to minister in here, I never heard in that denominational church. Never heard it. Oh, we celebrated Easter. And we celebrated Christmas. We celebrated um, I was an Advent. We celebrated all this. But nobody there could preach the gospel. And you know what happened to all of us? We'd get sick. We'd get poor. We would say we got to cope. You don't have to cope with the gospel. You overcome with the gospel. That was one of Dole's first messages. All right, so let's find out exactly, exactly what that gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. I love it. I love the word of God. I love God. He never lets you be in question. He never lets you be lost. He never lets you be without understanding if you will ask him. And if you will expect him to tell you, he will not. You know what he says? He says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you'll find it. Knock and it shall be open. But you know what? You got to ask. And you got to expect him to answer. And you got to seek. And you got to expect him to answer. And you got to knock. And you got to expect him to open the door. And he does. The Bible has every answer you have ever asked in it, if you will believe. It's got every answer. And I tell you what, 99.9% of your questions are answered with the gospel. With the gospel. Your whole existence, the existence of humanity is based in the gospel. It started out that way and it'll end that way. All in the gospel. So let's find out exactly, exactly, like I like to say, the bona fide definition of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, the apostle Paul speaking. And he's speaking to the church at Corinth. And they are all Gentiles. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I declare unto you the gospel. I declare it. He said, which I also preached unto you. So they'd already heard it which also you have received. Do you see, you have to receive it. 
You have to receive it. Not just listen to it, you have to receive it. It says, which you also have received and wherein you stand. So now we know that this gospel, we have to hear it, we have to receive it, and then we stand in it. Do you see that? You have to hear it first. Then you have to receive it, and then you stand in it. So now you've got your marching orders. By which, what is which? The gospel. It says, by which, the gospel, also you are saved. You are saved. And I want you to see that word now. That just does not mean born again. That word is sozo. That word saved means salvation in anything you need. That gospel fixes your issues. It fixes your problems, no matter what they are. This power in that gospel goes to the very, very depths of your heart. It will not only take care of your outside needs, it will deal in the very depths of your heart. Thank God that's the power. That's the power of God. All right? By which also you are saved if you keep in memory. There's that word if. If you were brought up saying, once saved, always saved, you better start looking at the word if. 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 You know you can lose your salvation? It says it right here. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Did you know you could believe in vain? Do you know that you could be born again and walk a while, and then you leave it, and that born again is gone? Gone. Your salvation is gone. Because Paul said, unless you believed in vain, so you can lose your salvation. Do you hear that? You can lose it. You better read the word of God and not listen to what a man tells you. You better get that word of God in your heart. All right, now, verse 3, 4, I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Do you see? Paul heard it and he received it. Here's the gospel. How? That Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Those scriptures that foretold of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus began their foretelling 4,000 years before Jesus even showed up. The very first time the gospel was preached was Adam and Eve in the garden. And they kind of approximate that maybe around 4,000 B.C. What did God say? He said to the serpent, he said, you're going to bruise her heel, but she's going to bruise your head. And what was that seed of hers? That seed of hers was Jesus. That gospel has been prophesied since Adam was here. And it foretold of the days of Jesus coming and doing exactly what the scripture said. He was going to die and he was going to be buried and he was going to raise again according to the scriptures. They didn't make up a story. It's not a theory. It was foretold and it happened. It happened. Now, why why do we want to have that gospel in our heart? Why is it so important? Turn with me to Romans 1. Why is that gospel so important? Romans 1, Paul speaking again. I'm going to begin in verse 15. 
Paul speaking, he says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He's going to preach to them. What's Paul going to preach? He preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel. What's the first thing that Jesus preached when he was on earth? Mark 1, 14, he preached the gospel. He said, repent and believe the gospel. That's the first message Jesus gave. What's the first message Peter gave? Acts 2, he preached the gospel. What's the first thing Paul preached? He preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. And you know what it says in Mark 16? What happens when you preach the gospel? Then demons come out. People are healed. People speak in tongues. Why aren't we preaching the gospel? Why aren't we preaching the gospel? I'll show you why. We need to be preaching the gospel. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed to walk in it. I'm not ashamed to believe it. I'm not ashamed to trust in it. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is. Do you see that? It doesn't say like, it says is, is. When I taught math class to third graders, I told them when you see the word is, put an equal sign. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is not like, not similar to, not around. It is the power of God. It is the power of God. Why do we preach the gospel? Because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. Why do you have no power in your life? Because you got no gospel in your life. Why is there no power in your church? Because there's no gospel in your church. It says these signs will follow those that believe the gospel. These signs, these signs, miracles will happen when you preach, when you believe the gospel. What are the signs? What are the miracles? They shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because the power is in the gospel. The power to solve your problem, the power to fix it is in the gospel. It's in the gospel. That's why Paul said, I preach it and I receive it and I stand in it. I stand in it. You stand in the gospel. You believe the gospel. Why? Because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. This testimony keeps coming up. When I was in Frisco, oh, I think it was 2000. It had to be before 2003. I got a phone call one day. I'm walking through. I was in the sign, I was in the sign business. I owned a sign company. And at one point, I, I gave the sign company to my husband, but I kept working there, and he ran it. Well, one day, I'm walking through my kitchen, and the phone rings. I'm standing right beside it. I pick up the phone, and a man says, I'd like to buy your house. I said, well, my house, sir, isn't for sale. He said, ma'am, your house is up for foreclosure. I said, what? He said, your house is being foreclosed on, and it's getting ready to be sold. I had no idea. 
And I knew right then somebody was lying to me. You know how it feels to know somebody's lying and you don't know who it is? And you don't know where the problem is? But you know what? The power is in the gospel. It's not in finding out who the liar is. Right then, it really didn't matter. I needed my house back. I needed some place to live. I needed some place for me and my children to live. I had four children. Being out in the street didn't sound very good. So I, I said, thank you, sir. The house is not for sale. Hung up the phone, and I got to praying. And I got to making some phone calls. And, and I found out, sure enough, sure enough, the guy wasn't lying. My house was being foreclosed. And I found out that I only had one week. Thank you very much, Jesus. One week to get my house back if I was going to. And folks, it didn't look good. They told me, if you want your house back, you're going to have to have $10,000. And you're going to have to bring it here before Monday, the following Monday, and I think this was a Tuesday. And he said, and, and, and that's what it's going to take. You only have till Monday. After that, it's sold on Tuesday. You know, thank God for the gospel. Thank God that Jesus died for me. Thank God that he died for everybody else. Thank God, whoever was the liar, Jesus died for him. Jesus died for him. Do you know that Jesus died for me and whoever caused the situation? And I remember standing at the kitchen table, I think it was Wednesday night, and I'm getting ready to lose my house, and I'm not panicking. Thank God for the gospel. But I looked up out the window. Nobody was in the kitchen but me. And I said, Lord, if you want the house, you can have the house. If the house is an idol to me, you can have it. And I said, but I wish you to let me sell it and not take it from me. I said, I wish you to let me sell it so we could have some money. Because we didn't have any. There was no way we were going to have $10,000. We were in a sign business, but we didn't do $10,000 in business in a week. We didn't. We hadn't ever seen that. And, and now I'm in a situation, and I said, Lord, I said, I reminded him that Jesus died for me, that he was buried for me, and that he rose again for me. And I said, I have no recourse. I have nowhere to go. We couldn't get a loan. We were in financial, we were up to here in financial trouble. There was no way we could get a loan. Nobody would even talk to us at this point. I had no recourse. And you know what the wonderful thing is? There is a place where you have no hope but God, and that's a wonderful place to be. It is a wonderful place to be. If you are in a situation where you have no hope but God, thank God you're there. Thank God your back's against the wall. Thank God you have no hope but God. Why? Because that's when he can work. That's when you got nothing left but God. And you know what? That's when God comes in. And I stood there and I said, I can't, you know, we're going to lose the house. But my eyes, my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. If you're going to take the house, you're going to, I'm going to be looking at you. Do you know what? I think it was the next day we got a phone call or it was Friday. I know Friday for sure. A man called us on the sign business. He said, I need a sign. And he told us what he needed. And it was a sign that we had never done before. And it was bigger than a sign that we'd ever done before. And it was kind of elaborate. We had never done anything like it. 
And so I worked out the, I worked out the, um, the, the bid for it. And, and I looked at it, and I didn't even, it was, it was over the amount, it was, it was like $20,000. But, but this was down the road. He didn't even, you know, he wasn't going to, this was just a bid he wanted. He was just getting bids. I never looked at the, what he was doing. I never thought, it just didn't come into my head what God was doing. But you know what, on Friday, we told him, if you want this sign, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be this much in deposit. It was going to be $10,000 in deposit. Do you know on Friday, he showed up with a check. A sign we had never done. Money that we had never had. And, and a situation we had never been in. And the man walks in and he says, I want the sign now. And he gave us a check for $10,000. Do you know what a joy it was to go to the bank and hand them the certified check and said, put it on the house. Put it on the house. God saved the house. Why? Not because of my holiness. Not because of my integrity. Not because I'm sweet. God brought the money for the house because Jesus died for me. Because he was buried for me. Because he died for my sins. And whatever caused that problem in the first place, that's what Jesus died for. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day. Why was he raised from the dead? Because the father saw. How much Jesus suffered for me and for you. And he said, that is enough suffering for Jesus and them. And when he said, that's enough, he raised Jesus from the dead. And you know who else he raised up? You and me. You and me. Our sins were forgiven the moment Jesus was raised from the dead. We were made prosperous the moment Jesus was raised from the dead. We were healed the moment Jesus was raised from the dead. We were delivered from the devil's clutches the moment Jesus was raised from the dead. If you will believe. But you've got to make the choice to believe. You got to hang on to it when it looks like everything else is falling apart. You got to hang on to that word. You've got to hang on to it. You've got to trust it. You got to make the choice. I'm going to believe this and not what I see and not what I feel. We've already gone over Abraham. And you know what happens? The truth. The truth of that gospel will abound through what you feel. And it'll bound what you see. And it'll fix. It'll fix the situation. It'll heal the broken heart. It'll set the captive free. It'll open your eyes. Jesus didn't come just to give you some money and make you healthy. Jesus came to make you perfect. Perfect. Jesus came to make you just like him. Just like him. When you have that gospel in your heart, you don't have to fear when trouble comes. You may shake for a couple minutes, but then you get your heart on that gospel and it will fix the situation. Amen. Kathy would love to hear from you. Email her at the letters kd at kdwol.com. That's kd at kdwol.com 
and visit her website to listen to these messages again or download them free of charge at kdwol.com. Write her at P.O. Box 865022, Plano, Texas 75086. Until next time, God bless.